the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Welcome, folks, once again to the uh, Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour, Saturday Power Hour. It's the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. We're always glad when you plug in with us. Alan Dempsey does our engineering superbly each weekend. And Andrew Herdliska produces our show. Uh, Beth Borum is with us in this first half hour from her home in Indianapolis. We're going to talk about uh, starting something new. Uh, That's her new book, Spiritual Direction for Your God-Given Dream. Uh, Beth, it's so nice of you to join me. I hope you're doing well. I am, and I'm just grateful to be able to join you this morning. Uh, Tell me about the uh, mission behind this book. Sure. Um, Well, the mission is to help individuals who have a creative idea stirring inside them but don't know what to do with it. And I think it's an interesting book in that it both describes the gestational process of conceiving a dream all the way through birthing it and then really living into it and sustaining it. And it talks both about the outward expression of the dream but also the interior journey of the person who's trying to grapple with this God-given dream inside them and to know what to do with it. Fascinating topic, and I'm eager to dive into it with you, Beth. So let's start where you start, uh, right at the top of the book, and uh, you talk about conceiving. So let's get into that reflection, paying attention to what you're praying for. Right. Yeah, I think many people that I meet with, um, and I'm a spiritual director, trained spiritual director, which means that I spend a lot of my time sitting with individuals listening deeply and prayerfully to them as they share their stories of where God is at work in their life. And then I try to pose questions for them that help them unearth this work that he's doing. And in the process, it's not uncommon for me to hear someone say, I have always dreamed about, Mm. or maybe a comment like, I feel like there's something more for me. I feel like God has something more for me to do in this world or more that he wants to do in me. And so what we begin to do is explore what that thing is. And oftentimes I just pose important questions. And one of them would be, what do you find yourself praying about? Not just those intermittent prayers or those prayers that we pray one time and we forget about, but those things that just we keep coming back to. There's sort of an urging, a yearning inside us to pray them. It's as if they are praying themselves through our hearts and through our lives. And so I invite people to really reflect on those things that they pray about, and it often gives us a little bit of a clue of this dream that may be taking shape and form within us. Second topic, you call it brooding. What's that mean? 
Yeah, that's an unusual term, isn't it? Yeah. The picture that I have in my mind is found in Genesis in the first chapter where it says that the Spirit of the Lord was uh, hovering. And sometimes I think in some translations it may even use the word brooding over the waters of the earth. And what I picture is this, that God was contemplating what God was about to do, what the Trinity was about to give birth to in the creation of the world. And that's what people have to do when they begin to look at these ideas that are forming inside them. They need time to reflect on what they are. It's not always immediately obvious to them. And so one of the things that I encourage them to think about is to begin to brood over their own values, the things that are really important to them in their life, the things that they um, want to sh- their life to be shaped around, the beliefs that they have that really inform the decisions and actions that they take. And um, through brooding, we begin to see what it is that God is calling us to do in the world. So we go from conceiving to brooding and then welcoming. What's that about, Beth? Well, interestingly, when we have a God-given dream inside us, much like Mary, the mother of Jesus, there's a point when we understand what this dream is about, and we need to say yes to it. Be it unto me as you have said. Kind of one of those moments. And so I talk about the fact that in my book I've interviewed well, I share interviews of uh, 14 or 15 different people, but I interviewed probably more than 20 who have given birth to a dream. And one of the common themes that I heard is that most people, once they begin to understand their dream, they'll also feel a great deal of ambivalence. They will feel this attraction and excitement, and simultaneously there's, there's a fear and almost terror that arises within us because of our own sense of insecurity or wondering if we really have what it takes. So there's a moment in time when we have to look at this dream and look up to God and say, I will welcome this. I will be curious about this, open to this, willing to receive this visitor that's knocking on my door. Then I want you to talk about discerning. Right. And discerning in all of these chapters fall under this category that I call uh, discerning our dream, the first phase of giving birth to a God-given dream. And really discernment is in some ways part of the entire process. And it's really when we are pressing into the question, is this dream for me? Is it from God and is it for me to give birth to? And so in this discernment process, I help the reader and I help individuals that I coach and work with and offer spiritual direction to, to really discern where this dream is coming from. Is it coming from the Spirit of God who's really preparing me to do some work in the world that he's uh, prepared before the foundations of the world for me to uh, really lean into? So it's asking those important questions of, is God in this? Is God the one that's really tapping me for this? And then how do I know? How do I have some level of or measure of confidence that helps me to move out and do this thing? Beth Morum is the co-founder, director of Sustainable Faith India. It's an urban retreat center in Indianapolis where she leads the School of Spiritual Direction and offers individual and group spiritual direction. Uh, we're talking about her new book, <clears throat> Starting Something New, Spiritual Direction for Your God-Given Dream. We move on to the fifth topic, Beth, naming. What's that mean? Sure. Well, in the second phase or the gestational process of birthing a dream, 
I refer to this phase as shaping. And it's sort of like when we begin to put some flesh on the bones of this dream inside us. And one of them is just the very practical need to name the dream. The people that I talk to, they have a variety of types of dreams. So some of them may be a dream to start a nonprofit or a new business venture, a creative business venture, or maybe it's um, a ministry concept or a volunteering program. But sometimes it's even just deciding that I want to do life differently. I want to begin to live a different kind of lifestyle, perhaps out of some new or important values to me. And so I encourage people to actually name the dream. Now, it may be as practical as naming your nonprofit, like we needed to do when we came up with the name Sustainable Faith Indy, or the story that I tell in my book is um, about a nonprofit called the Viewfinder Project, which is uh, a project that teaches kids how to take pictures with cameras and how to really frame the way they see things in life. And so it's just the importance of naming the dream because once we name it, all of a sudden it becomes more real to us. Just like if uh, parents were, a, a woman was pregnant and the, that she and her husband together began to name that child. It, it's interesting, even though it's just a name, it seems like all of a sudden it becomes more real that we're really going to have a baby together. So that kind of thing. Uh, topic number six, shaping. Beth, tell us about shaping. What does that mean? Yes. So in the shaping phase, that's the phase when we begin to uh, develop a plan for our dream. And no matter what kind of dream you have, you will have to have a plan in order to realize it. So this is the chapter where I discuss coming up with a plan. There's a lot of varieties. There are sophisticated business plans, which is what I needed to develop when I began to dream about sustainable faith ending. There can be general plans, but in each of these plans, we define our purpose. We define the services that we want to offer or the things that we want to do through this dream, the people that we want to serve, the place, just those kinds of things that need some definition. To Beth Borum is our guest. We're talking about her new book. It's called Starting Something New. I'm Pat Williams. Uh, this is the Weekend Power Hour It's the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Back for more with Beth right after this. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Looking for more than just a job? Searching for a career path with a higher calling? Find a job you can believe in and get excited about at ChristianJobs.com. ChristianJobs.com is the largest Christian employment website with thousands of job listings. They connect devoted people like you with thoughtful employers that share your values. Once you log on and see the quality job opportunities available, you'll never settle for just a job again. Log on to ChristianJobs.com. That's ChristianJobs.com. Hi, this is Dr. Ahmad from the Salt Room Wellness Center at Millennia, inviting you to my brand new program, Healthy Positive Living, now Saturday afternoon at 4. Every week we discuss an important topic that will pertain to your health concerns from an integrative point of view. And this isn't another stale health show. It's informative, exciting, and we'll have some fun along the way. We'll see you here for your healthy, positive living. Saturday afternoon at 4 on the new 950 WTLN. 
Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 5.30 on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. If you missed the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace. Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at graceimpact.org. 5.30 Sunday on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Treasures and pages of scoundrels and sages get lost in the story of heartache to glory. Browse and discover, cover to cover. Worlds of excitement, hours of delight. Just bring your curious mind and see what you'll find. Bright light books, discover your story. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Beth Borum is our guest from Indianapolis. Uh, Beth believes that many people have God-given dreams inside them, but don't know how to discern what they are and develop them into something real. So hopefully this uh, discussion with Beth will be valuable to you as we dig into her book, Starting Something New. Beth, we're at this point now, sorting, uh, reflection, learning to sort things out. Uh, fill us in on sorting, please. Sure. So when I talk about sorting, the picture I have in my mind is what it's like to stand in the middle of your closet and go through your clothes and decide what to keep and what to get rid of. And sometimes that's an agonizing process, and the only way to do it is to come up with some hard criteria that helps us know what belongs and what doesn't. And in the same respect, when we are giving birth to a God-given dream, most of the time it's such a creative process that we produce way more material or, or way more ideas than we'll ever be able to implement. So I encourage the reader to think through some criteria that they want to use in order to determine what belongs with their dream and what they need to put in a discard pile or maybe a pile that says for some time later. Now let's go to changing. Topic number eight, standing at the crossroads. Right. I think we have this idea that once we say yes to something, that we can't change what we have said yes to. And so in this particular chapter, I underscore the importance of giving yourself the freedom to be a flip-flopper. And I'll give myself as an example. When my husband and I began to think about this idea of starting in a retreat center, he was um, a bit reluctant at first. In fact, his first comments were, I think it's a great idea. I will 100% back you, but you need to understand it's not my thing. So I began to plan for uh, developing and founding this retreat center in Indianapolis, and then Several months into that, David and I had the opportunity to go to a retreat center in the mountains of Virginia, and unbeknownst to me, as we were there and he began to watch the woman who was leading the retreat, something started to shift inside him, and he began to envision what it would be like for us to do this together. So afterwards, we began to talk, and I could tell that his... um, Something had changed because he was using a we pronoun for the first time. Mm. But 
The one caveat was that he couldn't imagine placing a retreat center in the city. He imagined it being more in a rural context where we would invite people to come to us out in the country, probably within an hour of Indianapolis. And while that wasn't my vision and wasn't really what I had ultimately hoped for, I felt like I needed to be willing, if he was going to partner with me, to to consider that. And so I did. So for a time, we flip-flopped and we began to look for uh, property in rural areas. And then, lo and behold, as time went on and we had our house on the market for eight months to sell it, our hearts changed again and we started looking at urban properties and realizing that this really made more sense uh, to the vision that we had to create this contemplative space for local leaders of nonprofits and churches and individual Christ followers to come away and find some calm, quiet, serene space to be quiet and listen to God. Now we come to topic number nine, Beth. And that is called waiting, in the waiting room. In the waiting room, and this is probably the most agonizing chapter for me personally because, as I mentioned, once David said yes to this vision of starting a retreat center together, we put our house on the market Mm -hmm. so that we could pull out our equity to purchase this property. and. We're very hopeful that things would move quickly, but it was during the recession when things were moving very sluggishly. So it took eight months, and we showed our house 72 times. And um, because we worked from home, both of us worked from home, we had to relocate every time we had a showing and go through all the motions of getting it ready. So it was an agonizing and exhausting experience. And I'm not a great waiter to begin with. And as I began to talk to people who have given birth to a dream, there was also another theme that I noticed, and most of them needed to wait. They would have the idea, they would start to develop it, move toward it, and then there would be this period of waiting where you really wonder if you'd heard God right and if God really is in this and if if it's going to fly or if it's just been a pipe dream. And so it's a hard season, and yet I think it's a really necessary one because For me, during this waiting period, I think I began to notice some of the motives in my heart that were less than pure, some of my weaknesses that I know would get in the way of actually living into this dream and sustaining it. And so I think it really caused me to to do some really important work with God in my own heart. So it brought out a lot that wasn't pretty, but it was important to see. Now we move to dying, topic number 10, paying attention to what's happening through the dying process. Well, that sounds fascinating. (laughs) Well, and this doesn't happen for everyone who starts something new, but again, I did hear for some people there would be a period where no longer were they waiting. It actually appeared that their vision or dream was dying. I tell the story of a ministry called New Hope, Haiti, and um, some of the founders, Melissa Millis, who uh, for a time they just had to lay their dream aside because of some things that were happening in Haiti that didn't permit them to continue. And it's really a period where you feel heartsick because at this point you've put so much into this vision and you've really given yourself to it, and it truly feels like a death of a vision. 
but for some, and Melissa would be one of them in New Hope, there was a resurrection of that dream. But in the dying process, we're really asking the question, you know, is this no longer um, a viable dream, and and what do I do with it? How do I bury it properly? What do I do? I do I continue to look and see if there will be a resurrection? Beth Borum uh, has a new book out with IVP. It's called Starting Something New, Spiritual Direction for Your God-Given Dream. Uh, now let's move to topic 11, Beth. It's called Resurrecting, Signs of Life. Right. And obviously this applies to those who have felt as though their dream was maybe dying. And even for David and I, we really did come to a place where we wondered if, our dream was dying. So we waited for eight months. We kept showing our house. Um, we went through just ridiculous lengths to try to sell it, and nothing seemed to budge. And so uh, we, I remember both of us deciding that um, we were going to set a date, a particular Saturday that was coming up, where we were going to talk together and decide if it was time to just pull the sign out of the yard and just set this aside for a time. And um, so Saturday was approaching. It was Wednesday morning, and we got notice that uh, we had an offer on our house, and it was encouraging to hear. In the afternoon, we found out that we had a second offer on our house, and the second people knew about the first people in the first offer, and so they just made us a full-price offer. So we sold our house after eight months, and it was, resurrection for us and much like the disciples who met Jesus after his resurrection. It was an incredible, joyous occasion and yet one where we both felt a little um, tenuous because we had been through so much and we had experienced what we thought was maybe a death of a dream that it took a while to embrace it and feel confident that indeed God had resuscitated this vision that we had and things really were going to move forward. The next topic, birthing. Ideas to celebrate and dedicate your dream. Yeah, so we're entering the third phase of the gestational process of giving birth to the God-given dream. And in this phase, it's the actual birth of the dream. And that's the moment when things really start, um, where you put the sign out or your website goes up or you make that move, or you begin that new job, or you start school, or whatever it is that your dream entails. It's that very um, clear moment where the dream has begun. And I just encourage people that when you experience the birth of a dream, that it's really important, just much like the birth of a baby, to um, acknowledge it in a celebration and in a way that helps you really dedicate what it is that you're giving yourself to, to the Lord. The next topic, Beth, for you to dive into is living your new normal and your growing edge. Right. When we begin to live into our dreams, often what we notice is that life changes. So the dreams that I talk about um, will definitely require risk and sacrifice, and they will typically relocate us in one way or another to a a different life that will be um, a a change from the way things used to be. And in some of those places, 
we will also need to develop some new life skills in order to have capacity for these changes. So I talk about discovering your new normal and your growing edge. Your new normal is kind of what is different for me right now uh, from the life I used to live. And just to be aware of those differences and acknowledge them. And then to note where you find your growing edge. And I paint this picture of how um, when there's a drought and uh, a plant or a tree is needing to develop root systems to grow down into the water table and find moisture, that's exactly what happens in us when we are in new places and we have to, we meet our growing edge, which is this place where we need to develop new root systems and new capacities to be able to do what it is God has called us to do. And so I encourage the reader just to identify what those growing edges are and what they are going to do in order to develop capacity and skills and the ability to um, bring what they need uh, for this given task. Beth Borum is with us from Indianapolis. We're talking about her book, Starting Something New. And then, Beth, we get to Topic number 14, it's called sustaining. What happens here? Yeah, so once we give birth to our dreams and we begin to live into it, we realize that it's going to take some important rhythms in our life to sustain it. Um, And not every dream has um, necessarily a shelf life that lasts for the rest of our life. There may It may be a dream that we live into for several years or um, maybe a decade or more. But what, however long this dream will live on, we will have to sustain it by certain rhythms or structures that support our lives. Because we, in many respects, are the most important resource uh, that God uses to sustain this dream. So in this particular chapter, I talk about the concept of a rule of life. It's a term that came from St. Benedict, who developed a rule of life for his monastic community. And in this rule of life, we really identify the spiritual practices, maybe the physical, relational, vocational practices that help keep us fresh, keep us alive, keep us living enough of a balance that we are not giving so much without receiving what we need to sustain our life. One of the questions that I have the reader ask is, what is it you want more of, and what is it you want less of? And I have them think about that in relationship to spiritually, physically, emotionally, relationally, vocationally, intellectually, all these different areas of our life, and it helps to identify some, some rhythms that we might want to implement that will sustain us and therefore sustain this dream that God's given us. There's an epilogue here, Beth, and it's simply called What Comes of Dreams. Uh, what, what can you share with us? Yeah, so um, we live in this 100-year-old home. It was built in 1910, and we have a picture of it prior to when someone did the renovation. And we live in a neighborhood in Indianapolis that probably 10 years ago was in such terrible shape that most of the houses were torn down and replaced with many of them now with new uh, homes. Our particular home wasn't torn down, and someone, a person we don't even know, came in and saw it and had enough of a vision 
uh, saw that it had good bones and enough of a vision for the house that this person purchased it and then went to extensive lengths. My guest has been Beth Borum. <clears throat> We've got more after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. Stay with more of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Warning, do not drink milk while watching the hilarious clean comedy videos at GodTube.com. Extended viewing of Safe for the Family Comedy at GodTube.com from Christian comedians like Tim Hawkins, Anita Renfro, Bob Smiley, and more may lead to crippling side effects such as watery eyes, runny nose, and a bright red face. <laughs> at GodTube.com, non-offensive good clean humor leads to giggles, guffaws, and howls. Some even experience ROFL. <laughs> Rolling on the floor laughing. GodTube.com may be habit-forming. That's GodTube.com. I'm not kidding. GodTube.com. This is a national health care alert from the Health Hotline. If you, a family member, or a loved one suffers from knee pain and have Medicare as your primary insurance, we've got great news. You could qualify for a pain-relieving knee brace at little or no cost to you. Get free delivery, and all the paperwork is handled by our accredited suppliers at no charge to you. So if you're on Medicare and have knee pain, don't wait. You may qualify to immediately receive a pain-relieving knee brace at little or no cost. Friendly agents are still standing by 24-7 to help you. We also have other pain-relieving braces, too, for your shoulder, ankle, or back. You may be eligible to get these items and more at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Our friendly representatives are standing by now to help you, so please call now. 800-215-6812. 800-215-6812. 800-215-6812. That's 800-215-6822. Trusco Banks in Central Florida announces the Hometown Heroes Hall of Fame, honoring individuals or groups who demonstrate strong community involvement and work hard to make a positive change. Nominate your hometown hero now at TruscoBank.com or visit a Trusco Bank branch here in Central Florida. Five individuals or groups will be selected and invited to be honored at the Hometown Heroes Banquet. Trusco Banks Hometown Heroes Hall of Fame. Find out more at TruscoBank.com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Pat Forum, our guest in that first half hour, talking about her book, Starting Something New. Arlene Pelican, not Pelican, Pelican joins us uh, from San Diego, author of 31 Days to Becoming a Happy Mom, and uh, with a wonderful plug from Dr. Kevin Lehman. Uh, Harvest House is the publisher. Arlene, great to catch up with you, and I hope you're doing well. Thanks so much, Pat. Everybody's fine. Thank you. Arlene is a speaker and uh, has written a number of books. She lives in uh, San Diego, has three children. Husband's name is James. All right, 31 days to becoming a happy mom. What prompted you to do this, uh, Arlene? What's the story here? You know, there are a lot of moms out there, Pat, that are not looking so happy. (laughs) I was in a thrift store. And I was there purchasing clothes, too, so this isn't a slam against thrift stores. And this really was the picture of why I wrote this book. There was a woman there with three kids under six, and they were super unruly. They were going through the aisles. She was trying to shop 
One of her children kicked me in the knee. Hmm. She was profusely, you know, apologizing. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, as she was leaving the store, I was standing in line, and she had one of her children, probably around four years old, under one arm, you know, and the child is horizontal to the floor, and that child is screaming and sobbing, and, and we have all seen this in a store, in a restaurant, in our own home. And it's very difficult to be a happy mother when you are in those kinds of circumstances. So my hope and desire is to really help moms get a better handle on parenting, you know, no matter how difficult or strong-willed their child is, but to have this different attitude about mothering and to be able to help her find joy and to smile and to enjoy this again. So that's really my heart behind 31 Days to Becoming a Happy Mom. And that's the book. It's made up of these 31 days. Let's start with day one. Uh, you say big rocks first. Yeah. Uh, what does that mean, Arlene? Yeah, we've seen that illustration, you know, when you try to put all these things in a jar, rocks and mm-hmm. sand, and I've used ping pong balls. And if you put all the small stuff in first, the sand or whatever, the big rocks can't get in. But if you put those big rocks in first, of course, the sand can fill all around it. And in mothering, sometimes what we tend to do is we put our children first. We put their needs first. We put their demands first. They're whining first because we're trying to get rid of it instead of putting in those big rocks first. And if you are married, one of those big rocks is your spouse. And so for us as uh, women to say, wait a minute, how is my relationship with my husband? Because if that relationship is strong, if you're married, then that really helps the home. What's my relationship like with God? Am I just having, you know, two seconds in the day to say, help God? And, you know, that's the extent of of my spiritual life right now, because sometimes we as moms think, well, we're just too busy. And yet if we put that spiritual life on hold for years, you know, until our children grow up, then that relationship is so weak. And so for those big rocks, they're your marriage, your relationship with God. There are things that nourish you as a mom. And when you have those big rocks in and steady, it'll make mothering a lot easier. Second topic, second day, that might not be food. Yeah. You know, what I have done in the book, it's an acronym using the word happy. And H stands for becoming more healthy. And that's why we're talking about food. Uh, The A stands for being more action-oriented, not talking yourself to death, but doing something. P is prayerful. The other P is perseverant. And the Y is being yes-filled so that all of motherhood isn't a no. So under this umbrella of being more healthy is this idea of that might not be food. And I interviewed lots of moms for this book. And one mom, her name is Hannah Keeley, and uh, she is a media personality and author And she has this thing where she says, that might not be food. And so she says, when you're looking at that thing in a wrapper, you know, and and she at that time was talking about ding-dongs and ho-hos and things like that, saying that might not be food. And so for us as moms to think, what are we putting in our body? And if we're putting things that are, quote, unquote, not food, we're not going to feel as good. So ask yourself before you put something in your shopping cart into your body, is that really food that God made? Did God have anything to do with that food? (laughs) And if so, that's going to help you be happier and healthier as a mom. Number three, don't stop moving. Yeah, this is, you know, we all know this, right? Food and exercise. But uh, the moving part, of course, is the exercise component. But many moms, we give up exercise because we figure it's hard enough chasing around these children. But two words on that. One would be 
give yourself permission to exercise because what it does for your children is it gives them this model of, hey, exercise is a part of life. And we know that there's such a problem with obesity in our country. And so if kids see that modeled by you, hey, look, my mom puts in a DVD and she exercises. Or my mom goes to the gym and exercises or whatever it is. So make give yourself permission to do it. And if you have an appointment, like someone you exercise with, or if you invest money, you know, I paid for this class, then it's more likely that you'll actually do it. And then um, the other thing is, there, you know, I met a woman a mother who loved playing volleyball. She played competitively when she was younger, and now she was a mom. And I asked her, well, when's the last time you played? And she said, wow, you know, I haven't played since I had kids. And I thought to myself, well, that's a shame, because if she were to play just a little bit, I think she would be a lot happier, and she would be moving and exercising, and that would be good. So don't stop moving. Day four, Mommy Needs Her Beauty Rest. Yeah, this is really a key because a lot of times we sacrifice sleep, and that makes sense when you have a baby. But after you have your baby and your baby is sleeping through the night, then that's your time, Mom. You start sleeping through the night, too. So to really schedule your life so that you have a good night's sleep. So if it means saying no to volunteering for certain things or for, you know, instead of home, you know, making something from scratch that you've got to buy it, that's better than sacrificing sleep over and over and over again because a rested mommy is a much nicer mommy. So give yourself permission and go to sleep, and it's good for your kids also to have that earlier bedtime. More vitamin G is day five. What does that mean? Yeah, so you know all about the vitamins, but vitamin G is the vitamin of gratitude. And it's this whole idea that if we can have more gratitude in our lives, we will go along much better. Um, We were in a museum in Virginia, and we saw this gratitude train, which had been given as a gift um, after World War II to the Americans. And my son, uh, Ethan, who's 10, had seen it in a magazine. He said, oh, Mom, look, there's the gratitude train. And I thought to myself, what a beautiful picture that if gratitude was running through the tracks of your home all the time between you and your children, you and your spouse, uh, and if your children see you being grateful for things, they become more grateful, and a grateful child is a lot easier to live with than an entitled child. So we as moms need to model that, and it'll make us much happier when we are grateful for our children instead of griping about, you know, the the tenth thing they've done wrong. Now in day six, fear, anger, stress. Oh, my, it says. (laughs) Yeah, doesn't that, it kind of shows you the the feeling of a mother is there, there is and there's anger and there's stress and all these things. And I think one of the things we have to do is recognize that things are not going to be perfect. One of the people I interviewed was author Carol Ladd, and she remembers talking to a friend who had all boys and things were constantly going wrong, and she began saying to herself, oh, well, you know, instead of, oh, no, no, my, oh, my goodness, oh, well. And, and just this resolution that, you know what, my life isn't going to be perfect. My kids aren't always going to make the right decisions, and that's okay. And this is not an excuse to not be excellent. You're going to strive for excellence. You're going to try for that. But when the things don't quite work, instead of being overwhelmed by stress to say, oh, well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll try that again, and, and maybe we'll get that next time. Now I want you to talk about light the match, baby. <laughs> yeah, this is the, the dad's favorite part. So for you who are married, who are listening out there, 
And it's this whole idea that you can't, the big rocks of your spouse, that you can't forget physical intimacy. And one of the ladies I interviewed, Dr. Jennifer Degler, she talks about oxytocin, which is, of course, this wonderful bonding hormone that a mother feels for her baby. And when you're holding your child after about 15 seconds, this hormone is released and you feel so good about them. Well, that same hormone, of course, is released when you are intimate with your husband. So if you feel like, I don't like my husband very much, then you need more oxytocin. <laughs> you need to kiss him more and be more intimate with him. And believe it or not, those feelings of liking will follow. And, of course, that is great for your marriage, too. So I always encourage women, even if you don't feel like it, to give that action of the 10-second kiss or the 15-second kiss. And the, the feelings will follow, and you'll realize, you know, I, I really do love this guy. So don't be afraid to nurture that. Uh, relationship with your spouse because that really helps your children now we move uh to day eight don't make me count to 100 i think i think i know what that's about yes exactly um diana gresh author speaker she was packing up her car for a trip her kids were driving her crazy they were not helping her at all and she said don't make me count to 100 and her children, of course, thought that was absolutely absurd and hilarious, so they all started laughing, and then she started laughing because she realized that sounds so absurd, and she apologized for yelling at them, and, okay, guys, please help me pack the car. And, you know, we have these threats as mothers, you know, don't make me do this. If you do that one more time, the next time you do that, I'm telling you I'm going to. So the whole idea here is less talk, less tone, and more action. So this whole section of the book is becoming more action-oriented. And instead of telling them for the third time what you're going to do, you don't do it after the first time that you tell them. And this is a big adjustment for the mom because we're so used to saying these things, hoping that they'll change so that we won't have to come down with any kind of consequence. But instead, in your mind, you need to think action. If I know, you know, my child, uh, two out of my three children are really slow eating breakfast which poses a problem when you have to get somewhere like school or church in the morning. So instead of using tone of, you know, if I'm going to threaten you or, you know, all these words that we just have got to the point where we're trying to brainstorm of actions that would mean something. For one of my daughters, it's us dressing her in the morning for school. If you are not done, then mommy will be picking out your outfit, and that's what you'll be wearing to school. And because she takes great delight in picking out her outfit, that means something to her. So less tone, less threat, more action. Prepare for the next M-O-M-E-N-T. Yes, the moment moment with the big mom sticking out. Prepare for the next mom and moment. And it's this idea that be ready for whatever's around the corner. So, for instance, I have a sixth grader boy. So I'm starting to read all these tween and teen books because I know that's what's coming. I'm starting to interview and ask when I see friends who have teenagers, I'll ask, okay, what issues are you really dealing with? What do you wish that, that you would have done different or prepared your child for? So always be, you know, like this inquisitive person that is looking, you know, a little in the horizon and thinking, what's my child going to face next? And of course there will be things that we can't anticipate. But why not try to prepare yourself for that next moment as best you can? How about this one? My guest is Arlene Pellicane. 31 Days to Becoming a Happy Mom. That's the name of her book with Harvest House. Uh, whoa, she really did mean it. <laughs> this 
is, you know, what uh, Dr. John, John Roseman, the psychologist, talks about shock and awe. And I love that. Like when you want a consequence, you want it to speak to your child and for them to think to themselves, I will not do that again. So it's this idea of, whoa, she really did mean it. And you need those kind of moments. And I hope that when someone reads 31 Days Becoming a Happy Mom and then they start implementing these things, that that's what their child thinks. Whoa, mom really did mean it. What happened to mom? She's different. You know, this is a good kind of difference. I remember when my son, he was probably around four years old, and uh, he's a rules keeper. So just keep that in mind. That's his personality. But we were going to uh, my birthday, and we're going to have lunch, and I wanted to take a photo. So I told him to wear a polo shirt. But he didn't want anything to do with that. He wanted a big car on his shirt. And I said, no, no, no. And he threw a fit and did all that. Mm-hmm. And so my husband said, well, I guess you'll just have to go shirtless. And and you know what? I didn't want him to go shirtless because I thought, I don't want him shirtless on my birthday. But it's this idea of, whoa, they really meant it. it was, okay, you're going to go shirtless. And for him, that was like a terrible, terrible, embarrassing, horrible thing. No, I don't want to do that. And so... He went shirtless in the car. He wept the whole time. And then when we got to the destination, he was shirtless for a tiny bit. And then, he, of course, he was very happy to put on that polo shirt that I wanted him to put on in the first place. <laughs> so this whole idea of you think of ways to outsmart your children, because, you know, you look around and you think, man, these kids, they can outlast us. They can outsmart us, outwit us, but no more. They would have to think, no, I can outlast this little child or this teenager. I can outlast, outwit, outsmart. And, and really mean what you say. Arlene Pelican is with us from San Diego. We're talking about her book, 31 Days to Becoming a Happy Mom. We've got one more segment with Arlene, and uh, we're thankful about that because there's more ground to cover. Uh, just a reminder, this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Are you ready for some comedy relief? Get your daily dose of belly laughs at the all-new GodTube.com. It's hilarious clean comedy for your whole family from Christian comedians like Tim Hawkins. So I got never understand parents who will paint Noah's Ark on their kids, little kids' bedroom walls. It doesn't make sense. Noah's Ark's a great story, but it's just out there, man. It's like, Daddy, what are you doing? I'm painting Noah's Ark on your wall, sweetheart. My favorite story. You know where God sends a worldwide flood to kill every living thing? Yeah. Outrageous musical comedy from favorites like Dad Life. I'm rocking my doctors with a cuff and a crease. I got that St. John's Bay and the clip for my piece. I look nice. I got dozens of dollars and that's right. It goes straight to my daughters and my wife. I'm a miracle dad. Good clean comedy is just a click away at GodTube.com. Log on today and discover the all-new safe way to entertain the whole family. GodTube.com. That's GodTube.com. Have you ever had a time when you felt you heard God's whisper? This may be one of those times. If you or someone you know is pregnant, adoption is a positive alternative and a truly brave decision you don't need to make alone. Life for Kids is a private, nonprofit Christian and licensed adoption agency serving women who are pregnant, their unborn babies, and the adoptive families who are praying you will choose life. Life for Kids offers compassionate counseling, adoption planning, information, and support. 
Have you considered adopting? Life for Kids serves Christian couples called by God to adopt, and they've placed children into loving Christian homes for over 20 years. Is this the whisper you've been waiting for? Adoption is a positive choice. Life for Kids will walk with you on your adoption journey. Visit lifeforkids.com. That's lifeforkids.com. lifeforkids.com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Arlene Pelican is with us. I love to say that name, by the way, Arlene. <laughs> you can thank my husband for that. <laughs> no, it's got, it's got quite a ring to it. Uh, we're talking about Arlene's book, 31 Days to Becoming a Happy Mom. Stop engineering your own prayer requests. That's day 11. That's right. Sometimes, of course, obviously we have sincere prayer requests, but some of our prayer requests we could deal with uh, at home, and then they wouldn't be prayer requests, you know. And this whole it's this whole idea of, you know what, let's not just let things slide and then they become prayer requests for your children. Let's do some things at home. And one of the phrases that I'd love to share is, don't wait, create. And this is something that my husband has done. So, for instance, your prayer request is, oh, my child ran across the street. They got hit by a car. You know, and there's your prayer request. Well, don't wait. Create. So create those moments way before they're ever going to happen. So take your little toddler out to the street and show them this is where the cars go. This is a no. You may not step beyond the sidewalk. And from the time they're very young, create these moments and training moments so that when they actually get there, they know what to do. So it's this whole idea, don't wait, create, look what's happening next, Try and train your child for that moment as much as you can, and don't engineer your own prayer request. The next topic, use your mommy guilt for good. Yeah, we hear a lot about this nowadays. People say, oh, I feel so guilty. I don't make cupcakes like she does. I don't stay home like the other moms do, or I don't work like the other moms do. And you have all these different feelings of guilt. And so this is really about, okay, hold on. The good guilt, positive guilt says, I did something wrong, and I need to apologize, and I need to make amends. So, you know, I've yelled at my child. I feel really guilty about exploding, so I'm going to apologize and say I'm really sorry. I yelled at you, and I will do my best not to do that again. Now, bad guilt will say, oh, I'm such a bad mom. I can't do this, and that's all that is swirling around in the mom's brain. I can't do this. I'm a terrible mom, and that guilt is not going to serve you at all. So use, ask yourself, you know, is this guilt really justified? Do I need to apologize to someone? And don't be guilty about not being like the Joneses. You know, that's not something to be guilty about. So try to sort through what's the good guilt and what's the bad guilt in my life and how can I use this for good. Your game plan for screen time. Yeah, this is a big one. A lot of moms are unhappy because they can't get their child to let go of their tablet or they can't get their child to dinner because they're playing their video game. They can't get their child to do homework. You know, I I don't need to go on and on because you listening know how those screens are making you very unhappy as a mother. And so it's this idea of having a game plan and saying, okay, we either have a time limit, we do one hour a day, and when that time limit's over, everything is collected. Or maybe it's a certain time of night uh, at 8 p.m., all the screens go off and, and we collect them all. 
Maybe it is a certain time on the weekends where you have a digital Sabbath where you say, you know, all day Sunday we're going to go screen-free to make sure that we are, A, not addicted to these screens, and, B, we know how to do other activities besides playing video games and being on, on the computer. So things like that. So have some kind of plan so you're not just blindly going into this because then your child is just going to keep negotiating for more screen time. And before you know it, all the spare time is going to go to screen. The average now is seven hours per day Mm. for children 8 to 18. So that does not leave much time for face-to-face interaction and, you know, people skills that your child really does need. Hit reset. What's that mean? You know, mothering can be just go, 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 and you never evaluate, am I doing a good job with this? Like, is there something I could improve? And so it's this idea of once in a while we've got to evaluate, are these methods working? Uh, Am I communicating what I want to be communicating? Am I, when my children look back, will they say, my goodness, my mother is always stressed, frustrated, yelling, or will they say, when I grow up, I want to marry someone like my mother, or when I grow up, I want to be someone like my mother. And so you want to hit reset from time to time, because obviously we're not going to do this whole thing right. So this could be something like a daily routine that at the end of the day, you put your head on the pillow and you pray, oh, Lord, is search me. Is there anything that I could have done better today? Lord, what did I do right as a mom today? Lord, what could I do better tomorrow? It could mean a, a weekly coffee date with a mentor mom someone who is older than you, or maybe even the same age, but her kids are older than you, Uh, a mentor mom that you can ask questions, she can ask questions, what's going on in your household, how did that go, what could you have done different, so that we're constantly refining and becoming better as moms, because isn't that a lot more hopeful than feeling stuck, like, wow, you know, I don't know what to do. Day 15, Arlene, God, not Google. Yeah, this is the whole section about being more prayerful, that P and happy, that many times when we have a problem, you know, uh, we go to Google. So our child is sick. We Google, what what is the sickness that my child has? And while there's nothing wrong with using that, when we become so dependent, right, only on information and data and Google, instead of praying and having faith and looking to God first. You know, I lift up my eyes to the hills from when comes my help. My help comes from the Lord. But nowadays it's, you know, I look to my phone for my help and I Google what I need and I get my answer. And we need to be careful of that and really have that focus as moms of, you know, Google and the computer is not going to be able to answer everything I need. I need to seek God. So the idea of placing prayer very prominently in your life as a mom because you need, obviously, divine assistance every day. (laughs) Arlene Pellicane is our guest. We're talking about her book, 31 Days to Becoming a Happy Mom. Help! I want to be a praying mom. Yeah, most moms want to pray. They say they want to, but they don't know how to find the time, and they don't know how to do it. So one thing would be, it's okay, you don't have to sit for one hour straight as a mom with your Bible open and your coffee in hand and then praying, because mom life may not be like that, but you can do five minutes when you wake up and then another five minutes while you're waiting in the carpool lane to pick up your child. You can put all these things in, so by the time the day is over, you have prayed, you have read your Bible. One thing that I have found so invaluable is moms in prayer. And simply that ministry, it believes in praying um, for every school, two praying moms for every school. 
And so what it means is you and another mom pray for your school every week and your child. And it is so cool. So I have been in that since my oldest was probably in first grade. He's in sixth grade now. And praying for him every week with another mom has given me so much peace, and I've seen God work in his life. So I cannot recommend that enough, is joining a prayer group on momsinprayer.org. Praying when your kids are going haywire. That's when we go to our knees, isn't it? When Mm. our children, something is wrong with them. So it's the idea of of knowing, you know what, my kids are going to, something's going to go wrong, whether it's a physical illness, whether it's bad friends, whether it is drugs, rebellion, uh, they can't find a job, whatever it is, you know, things are going to go haywire. And when that happens, the time is to cast your cares on the Lord, for he will sustain you. You know, it says that he will never let the righteous be shaken and to really go to your knees when your kids are going haywire. Now I want you to talk about making the most of popcorn prayers. Yeah, it's a little help, God, because they work, you know. I remember when I was uh, younger, my kids were younger, the kids were sick, so we couldn't go to church. So I thought, I'm going to have home church. But by the time I was going to give the lesson, I was so frustrated with my children. I didn't feel like giving them the lesson. But I just shot up this prayer, God, help me. I want to teach my children, but I'm so frustrated. Help me. And I am telling you, just in a moment, it's like my demeanor changed, and I was ready, like, okay, let's read the Bible together, kids. And I was okay. And so God can help you when you have those prayers of, Lord, show me what to do. Lord, give me patience. Lord, help me not to yell right now. God will answer those popcorn prayers. To infinity and beyond, day 19. Yeah, that your prayers are going to take your child all the way through, and your prayers are never going to stop. And just to know that when you're praying, you're asking the Holy Spirit to guide you, to guide your child, and the Holy Spirit will act like a spy, you know, and and take you beyond where you can go yourself. I remember, I've heard it time and time again of moms, you know, their child is old enough to get a phone, so they've got a phone now, and the mom will, the Holy Spirit will tell the mom, go check your son's phone. And she checked his phone, and there was something very inappropriate on the phone, and he had just gotten it. You know, so of course, when the mom says, hey, what's on your phone, the son is like, oh, how'd you know that? Because you just did it, you know. And so the Holy Spirit will be that spy on your side. He'll take you to infinity and beyond. They'll take you where you can't go yourself. Arlene Pelicane has been our guest. Arlene, a million thanks. Great to talk to you. And uh, we'll be back for a wrap-up right after this. It's the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This just in, death, destruction, and violence. Film at 11. Come on. Is all the news really bad? How about some good news in your daily routine? You'll find it when you log on to Christianity.com. They've got great devotionals, terrific Bible study tools, quizzes, and links to the day's most inspiring stories from around the web. Get good news every day when you set your homepage to Christianity.com. Make a difference in your Internet life. Christianity.com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Uh, I invite you to visit my website. It's patwilliams.com. The Twitter page, Orlando Magic Pat, 
And uh, my most recent book has just been released. It's called Vince Lombardi on Leadership. Uh, we take a look at the great Packer coach through the narrow lens of leadership. And I hope you enjoy the book. Go check things out uh, bookwise on Amazon.com. Always a good way to be up to date. Uh, enjoy tomorrow at church <coughs> with your family. And I hope you have a terrific week ahead uh, here in Central Florida. We'll be back next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. You're listening to the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this same time on the intersection of faith and reason. The new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 